It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Roses are red and violets are blue. Don't let a wild puke wreck you. Valentine's Day is just around the corner and our sponsors at Manscaped are here to help you with the best tools to get your balls ready for that special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leader, in below the waist room. With our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com, use the promo code BIZ, B-I-Z, for 20% off and free shipping. I'd like to propose making February 13th a national holiday and naming it National Shave Your Balls Day. Who's with me, fellas? I think this is the one holiday that both men and women can get behind. And don't forget to smell good not only around your balls, but all over. Made with their signature scent, the Manscaped Refined Cologne will complement your collection with smell perfection. Manscaped created products for a night just like this, and this will make your Valentine's Day say, Wow, what a great set of balls you have there. Go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer and 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code BIZ. Your balls will thank you and your lady will thank you. 20% off, free shipping, promo code BIZ at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, promo code BIZ at manscaped.com. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. To the business of the business podcast, I am your host, JP John Paz from the Two Man Power Trip, and of course, my co host, Mr. A Trump Mania himself, Mr. Lavi Margolin. Lavi, what's going on? I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm nearly recovered from the uh, GCW Hammerstein show. I'm not as young as I used to be, but uh, I'm getting there. I'll be back in I'll be back in business soon. Um, but uh, 
a fun show today. Uh, great guests that we have. I'm not sure how many people have gotten deep insight uh, into this great resource. So we're um, excited to share it with you. Um, so we have Telly Bistis of uh, Title Match Network joining us today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Awesome. Thanks so much. So I'm going to turn over for John to learn a little bit more about you, and, and I'll tag in in a few minutes. So Telly, just uh, give us a little background, like where you grew up, because that always, to me, is like, okay, then you were, if you grew up in the South, maybe you're a fan of a certain wrestling, maybe NWA or something, but where did you grow up and when did you first start watching wrestling? Yeah, great question. You know, I was, I grew up in Washington, D.C. originally, mid-Atlantic guy too, you know, uh, Virginia, D.C., Maryland, that whole area. And I started watching wrestling as young as, you know, as before I could even walk. And it was just one of those things where my mom had me there, you know, at the kitchen table and we were flipping through channels and uh, we stopped on some wrestling. It was some old school wrestling on the old channel 20 up there in Washington, D.C. Or I guess it was channel 50. And uh, anyhow, they had some old, looks like old AWA footage of some type. And I, I was hooked right then. You know, there was there was really nothing else you could show me that even interested me. So from that point on, it was all nwa stuff that's how i grew up and then of course you know the old uh, wwf and other territories who were some of your favorite guys you know i loved the monsters growing up i loved the bruiser brodies the first time i saw him in japan um i, I love those kind of cats terry funk a lot of the a lot of the texas guys the the ones that um the real heels i, I guess you would say the ones that were larger than life, I, I loved it. But then at the same time, I loved the guys that could do all the high spots and uh, technical wrestling, like the Dynamite Kids, too. So, I, you know, I really had um, a preference for both those kind of styles. Eclectic taste, if you will. <laughs> Little so, bit, yeah. So, like you said, you were basically hooked right away. I mean, what was it about it that just kind of hooked you? You just loved, not not the violence, but, you know, the the certain aspect of the the violence or you know certain things that got you into it yeah it was like this whole cartoon world it, it just didn't seem like anything that was even possible i mean the first time i saw someone get hit with a chair you know i i would never see that walking outside so it was always something that interested me like how how are these people getting away with it as a young kid too i was interested to in football and you know all the other sports like that but you know wrestling was like nothing i ever saw so i, I was hooked right then not a big wwf guy I love WWF. You know, I, I grew up on the in the Hulk Hogan era too, you know, and um, so so I bought into that too, and, and I like WWF, but it was never as realistic as say the NWA stuff that I was into. That was always my go to. But WWF, yeah, as a kid, I, I bought into it. So when did you start thinking to yourself like, oh, man, I want to like get involved in the business, like the the business side of wrestling? Like when did you kind of start to go that route? I, t I totally fell into it, man. I was in college. I was at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. And um, I was doing some mass communication classes. And out of nowhere, someone had approached me about doing a gig and shooting um, shooting some wrestling, local wrestling. And, you know, this was, even though the internet was around and I was kind of, I was smart to the business and everything. I didn't know a whole lot about the indies and what was going on. I mean, you knew about the major promotions, but I never thought that was even possible, you know, a local a promotion of wrestling going on nearby me so i was approached and that was in i guess 2005 that was when i first started shooting wrestling shows around the area and i'll never forget my first show it was with ivan koloff and the barbarian and uh tracy smothers so you know i walked in and it was like kid in the candy store you know i, I was done after that and you couldn't pull me away from it when you kind of got involved were you surprised if like you know, you're watching it, you're like, oh, you know, the cartoon aspect, whatever. You know, you fall in love with it. You're like, wow, this is a way different world than I was t entirely expecting. 100%. I, I wasn't smart to it at all. I knew, I mean, I knew about, I knew that it was a work and I knew about the guys and all that, but I didn't understand, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't taught the right way. You know, I didn't go to a wrestling school and it was brought in. I, I started on the production side of it, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was totally different than what I imagined. But it was also everything that I could imagine and more. I mean, it's it's the greatest business in the world as far as I'm concerned. But with title match and everything, what was kind of the, the, the genesis or the start of the title match network? And what was your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. So, you know, I was in Virginia and I started shooting these shows, you know, 2005 or so. And so I was doing that for a few years, getting my feet wet. And then it started going into, you know, why don't we start running some shows and, and see what we can do? I want to preface it because at the same time I was working, I just started working at the NBC and Fox affiliate. I come from a TV background, so I was doing TV news and stuff like that at the time, production work. But at the same time, I was also shooting these wrestling shows, so the light kind of popped up. Like, well, why don't I try and put this thing on TV? I've got the connections. I know how to do it. So it kind of started from there. So, you know, in the mid to late 2000s is when um, when I started putting some shows on TV and started gaining that and started running shows and uh, losing my ass all over the country, you know, that, that, that good start. And uh, just trying to figure it all out and get that footprint in the business, you know. I think the great line is, how do you become a millionaire in, in wrestling? You start with $2 million. Like, that's like the the old adage, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say uh, with, with a lot of confidence that at least 90 to 95% of the promotions running today are probably losing money on, uh, you know, uh, yearly year year after year so with title match kind of just break it down of what else besides live shows like what else are you gonna find on there yeah so with title match i mean we have connections with over 100 different promotions around the world we shoot you know we started out primarily shooting the shows producing our own events doing original coverage and stuff like that but now we have um you know great partners all over the country and uh you know we have a huge focus and emphasis on women's wrestling on shoot interviews and uh, good original programming like that. So we have a huge variety. So everything from live streams, we just launched our very first 24-7 channel on the network, and we plan on releasing a lot more content like that here very shortly. But, you know, it's just nonstop, constant pro wrestling. Um, every niche, every genre you could possibly imagine, we've got it. So, Lavi, I know you got a ton of questions for Telly. Yes, and I even have a uh, a one I didn't expect, but I, I was taking notes. So before we move on to title match, and there's there's so much to talk about, um, I just want to learn a little bit more when you said you were producing some shows on TV. How did that work? Were you um, uh, bartering? Um, were you using connections that you already had? Um, were you paying for the air? That's something that I'm still fascinated on today. And I still help out a little bit in syndication. Um, my fingers are crossed for helping a promotion get on a, uh, uh, low power a stations and that that's still difficult. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about that journey. Totally. Yeah. And a uh, great question there. Um, you know, when I started out, I was, I was, you know, in the TV news business, as I said, and, and I understood that world a little bit and it was kind of combining the two and, you know, how we go about that. So I remember thinking like, well, I want to get this on TV, but you know, how does one go about doing that? You know, I really wasn't sure as far as the production, you know, um, what we would show, how the show would look or format. We just kind of dove right into it. But as far as the negotiations went, I remember thinking, let's start with at least a year and see what we can do with that. Now, this was my first, you know, one of my first TV deals. So I was definitely green and I didn't know what I know now. But at the time, I remember negotiating and, you know, just I remember going in knowing that, you know, if I offered to buy up a lot of airtime and, you know, take up a lot of inventory from them, they were going to cut me a better deal. So I went in, I said, I'm good for a year. I can do it weekly. I'll take any, you know, time slot that we have. The first time slot I went for was the 1 a.m. Monday nights. It was cheap. And this was the, okay, so this was a Norfolk, Virginia um, TV market. So mid-sized market. It was, I think, top 42 out of uh, the 200 some in the country. So it was a pretty decent-sized market. But at that time in, I'd say, 2007, I negotiated an hour, uh, I'm sorry, a year's worth of TV for $50 a spot weekly. So it would be $200 a month and then guaranteed we would get a bunch of freebies like four-second bumpers, 15-second promos, stuff like that. We worked kind of a deal like that in there to give them guaranteed content because I also want to preface this too. This was also the start of when the, um, the market was kind of crashing too around 2007, 2008. So they were kind of desperate and uh, – you know, we, we took full advantage of that. But to give some numbers and to give it a perspective, we were buying it as cheap as $50 an episode and with the guarantee that we would be doing this for a year. Cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that uh, sort of content. Um, so uh, now focusing a little bit more on um, 
not only title match, but the YouTube aspect first. So actually something that we've talked about on this program, even going back as far as episode two or three is uh, YouTube growth and subscriptions. And one of the things that we noticed was that certainly intergender wrestling and women's wrestling um, has led the charge for a lot of promotions that we would consider maybe smaller in the overall ecosystem, but have a big presence on YouTube. And, you know, one of the suppositions um, or theories was sort of that maybe women's wrestling or intergender wrestling carries differently um, around the world. And maybe there's an interest in a different way than maybe a fan that loves the, um, uh, the technical wrestling or the passion of like an alley catch or something like that. Whereas it has like a, a different, um, uh, a different feel um, around the world, if that makes sense. Hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. You you nailed it on the head with it. So when you see your statistics, do you notice like certain regions, like that, certain things are more popular than others? Oh, ab- absolutely. And you know, um, I, I tell everyone when we talk about it. You know, title match. I mean, it was it was born on the East Coast. It's it's kind of been um, it's grown a lot here in Texas. But as, as far as I'm concerned, we're a worldwide promotion. I mean, we have you know, hundreds of countries that are watching this content, you know, on a daily basis. And like you said, the way people receive this um, content in uh, places like Germany or Australia or the UK, I mean, it might be totally different or in Japan, different than someone in uh, New Jersey or something that's watching this content. So, yeah, I mean, and, and different reasons for watching, different expectations and different takeaways, I think, too. And that's kind of where we were able to edge out the market a little bit where we weren't necessarily concentrating on what I like or what we like, you know, wrestling is just, I'm not the demo for a lot of the wrestling that's out there, even though I can like and appreciate it. But, you know, I'm more focused on what do people want? What are they craving? What are they clicking on? And what are they sticking around for? So, you know, when I do that, I, I try and think of everyone similar to how Disney does it. You know, when they release movies, they, they might be thinking about, not how it plays in uh, you know New York or something like that, but how does it play in China? How does it play worldwide? How are those audiences going to gravitate towards it? So yeah, definitely, definitely a consideration for when we put up new content. Great. And uh, looking at this awesome list that you uh, built out, and it's um, I think pinned on your Twitter page, um, the 100 most watched wrestling YouTube channels of all time. I see that there are 10 where you indicate in parentheses um, title match that you you um, sort of uh, you run their um, their YouTube uh, page. How does that work? Yeah, so that was the other thing. You know, the a lot of companies have tried the YouTube model and have tried to put out their own content, but as we know, it's it's really tough, especially trying to start a YouTube channel in the last few years, trying to get any sort of traction with the kind of competition you have out there. It's it's almost impossible not just in wrestling, but, you know, across the board. I mean, really hard to get a footprint. So we already had the established footprint. We were already shooting for these promotions. So it just kind of became, hey, why don't we put the stuff up on here? We'll link to everything that you have. We're going to, you know, we'll guarantee more eyeballs on it. But we're going to have you kind of have your own little section on title match. So it'll be like, you know, not just our originals, but we'll have subsections of different promotions from around the country. Cool. And then you work out some sort of um, revenue sharing deal with them. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll just straight up say like, you know, um, because, you know, a lot of this footage is really risky. A lot of these shows are risky. You know, a lot of them fail. A lot of them don't work. So I usually either either offer a flat fee or some sort of percentage. Yeah, we we, you know, we work it out fairly so that everyone gets paid well. So then it's you own the content fully. So let's say, for example, New Avenues opened up. um, We've had on the show Markout Media, who's one of the. they provide content to the Pluto Pro Wrestling channel. So in theory, if you want to migrate um, some of that content or, or um, double it up over there, you can. You have the rights to do that, to reach out to um, uh, people like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even if um, there were a few companies that did not want to, you know, move forward with that, I mean, we have so much original programming, it wouldn't be an issue. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Pluto. I'm a huge mark for Pluto TV. I think their platform's amazing. And um, it's, it's, you know, something that we've been kind of trying for a while, too, that just that ad generated um, free content. You know, that's basically how our YouTube channel grew too, just releasing free content 
um, before a lot of the mainstream ones too. I just wanted to point that out too, because if you go back to where Impact and WWE and a lot of the other big names were on YouTube way back in the day, uh, mid 2000s, when we had first started this thing, you know, people were not releasing full matches. They were not releasing full interviews. We kind of went against the grain and said, you know, we're going to give away all this stuff. There were people bootlegging, there were people pirating stuff and releasing it on their own. But I'm saying as far as official companies that were producing something and then releasing to the general public for free and then relying on ad revenue, it wasn't the common practice that we see today. Now everybody does it. But back then, you know, it was just a preview here, preview there. It was thought to kind of be the breadcrumbs to get to the actual, you know, paid content or paid pay-per-view. So, um, a friend of the show is Gavin Bridge from Variety Plus, and he's um, helps to uh, to school us on SVOD, AVOD, streaming, and so on. So, not to conflate these services, um, but um, you know, with different sources uh, that are pro wrestling centric, uh, one could even say competitors potentially, like like a High Spots or an RF or an IWTV, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh, you know, uh, let's say somebody has a uh, hundred dollars a year for for such content in their pocket. What's the competitive advantage of Title Match Network, and why should they check it out? Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and I always say like, there's a lot of, like you said, that list right there, there's a lot of good names on that list and we're friends with a lot of them and do business with a lot of them. So there's no knock on any other promotion out there. You know, I think all of them offer something and, and, and bring something to the table. Title match is just something uh, different. It hits different. When you watch it, you'll know the difference. The layout is, I think, cleaner. It's easier to find material, what you're looking for. Yeah, the playback is, I will put it, I'll, I'll put the Pepsi challenge against any other network and platform in the world that no matter what location you are, wherever you are, you, you know, you can be in a cave somewhere 500, 5,000 miles away and you can still get perfect playback, no buffering in our titles. Um, you know, we've really gone above and beyond to make sure that playback is uh, almost seamless. And that goes for our pay-per-views as well. A lot of those promotions, they just don't have, the uh the content that we do they don't have the connections that we do as far as uh for the women's wrestling we have so many exclusives on there you're just not going to find anywhere else so if you like original programming and you like good you know consistent content we're your place you know we offer um we offer more material every month than just about anybody and uh not a knock on anyone else a lot of great promotions out there but um you know i know when you come to title match you won't be disappointed awesome so uh, YouTube, um, you know, in some ways stands on its own, of course, in terms of uh, ad revenue. I know sometimes it could be, uh, as promotions talk about, a little bit uneven in terms of uh, what the payouts might be. And then there's the subscription model. So mm-hmm. when you think about releasing the content on YouTube, and like you've talked about, um, a strategy was to be very generous in terms of getting it out there. Um, do you do you sort of like have... Um, a percentage of mine, like, okay, we, we're doing so well with YouTube subscriptions and views. If we did just migrate 0.25% over to subscription model, we'll be doing great. Or does that not factor in? No, you, you said it, man. Um, it's like, you're in my mind, man. That's, that's exactly it. You know, we have, we're just on the um, the doorstep of 2.1 million subscribers on YouTube. And I think about it all the time. Can we just get 5% of that? to come paid, you know, for $9.99 a month on the subscription service. Can we get 3%? You know, all that would be game changing for us. We've we've managed in our first year on the new streaming service, titlematchnetwork.com, to really beef up subscriptions with a lot of major, um, you know, pay-per-views and a lot of original content. So we've been really um, happy with the numbers so far. But yeah, I mean, that, that, um, that game goes along every single day on YouTube. It's like, how do I convert these people into something like how people on Spotify and other companies did where they go from free, but then they go to premium. You know, there's a lot of people that just have no intention of ever paying and that's totally fine too. There's a, you know, there's a place for that, but we're definitely interested in converting as many people as possible. Great. Um, so I have some uh, questions sort of based on your expertise about other promotions. Of course, you don't want to give the free consulting away, but as much as you feel comfortable um, sure. discussing it. So let's say um, for a company like ROH, they have this huge back catalog. I think the um, 
uh, probably the pre-Sinclair years, uh, depending on how careful they want to be about copyright music and, and rights and so on, that might need to be cleaned up, probably does. Whereas the Sinclair years, which is quite a while now, right? I think more than 10 years, that they have a lot of content, but a lot of it is either behind a paywall or maybe not um, tagged correctly and so on. So like if, if um, uh, Joe Koff were to call you today and say, hey, you know, we're, we're uh, reimagining ourselves. Um, we really want to monetize YouTube more. Look at our visibility versus all the companies ahead of us. What can we do? What might you tell him? Yeah, and it's a great example. You brought up ROH, you know, um, go way back with them to not not with the, the new cast and crew now, but from the early days, you know, I knew a lot of those guys and, and followed a lot of them too, you know, from the early 2000s. So, yeah, one of the best promotions um, – that this country's ever, uh, ever produced. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I think just in the last year or two, I'd say when the, you know, right around when the pandemic started and all that, ROH, it looked like they put a huge um, emphasis on new YouTube and reimagining their YouTube, whereas all of a sudden you would start seeing uploads from old Samoa Joe matches, old Brian Danielson matches, you know, stuff that wasn't up there that was kind of collecting dust but still had monetary value. You know, so I saw them going a lot in their back catalog. They had a lot of best ofs. They started doing a lot of live streams. They're doing the right thing. I mean, they gained over 60 million views in the last year and a half or so. So they did have good traction and probably the best they've done in the last decade or so on YouTube. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, they have more content than, you know, just about anybody. So, yeah, they need to go back. They need to reimagine and they need to um, they need to keep showing people why Ring of Honor is, uh, you know, in many ways still maybe the, if not the top three promotion, at least top five in the conversation, you know, show why they're still one of the best in the world. So um, one of the topics we would we'd talk about on the show is this sort of like AEW, and I don't mean it as crassly as I'm going to say it, but like AEW sort of like vomiting out content on YouTube, which was like before they sort of um, were taping in Orlando, the dark, like it could be, sometimes it could be three hours. Maybe I'm exaggerating that. And, what I was thinking about it was, was it like um, uh, to build real estate quickly, to scale up quickly, to sort of plant a flagpole on YouTube? Or was this just you have so many people under contract, you might as well. Like what what do you, what, what would you speculate might have been like the YouTube strategy, which is like pushing so much content that, you know, might not have res- – maybe it did resonate well. Obviously, they're growing fast. But like what do you think about – their strategies over the last couple of years. I think you nailed it on the head again, man. Um, you're, you're really in tune with a lot of this stuff and, and what's going on. And I think, I think you nailed it. I mean, as far as AEW goes, yeah, they were, they were throwing a lot at the wall. So if I had to speculate, they were doing a lot of the same strategies that we were doing, especially like when the pandemic started, it was just, you know, there's not a lot of people running right now. There's not a lot of people able to run. We need to beef up our presence. We need to show everyone that we're the top dog around. Let's just, shoot and um you know use as much content with people that may be hot independently that can be a cheap get for us maybe throw them a couple hundred bucks come into florida shoot a couple matches with them throw it out and bam you know not only do we get the youtube views we get the traction you know um it's it's a good strategy that they had and i think that's what they needed to do to get their footprint you know aside from wwe they had the biggest gains as far as uh you know year to year uh last year and a half They've had, you know, tremendous gains. The CM Punk thing helped them. Um, you know, several other big gets helped them sting. And just having that constant flow of content where they can dump, like how WWE does it, where it's the same kind of strategy, 30 videos a day sometimes. You know, is it all gold? Nope. You know, but it doesn't matter. You just need one or two to really take off, and then the rest will kind of catch up, you know. So AEW's kind of done that strategy, and I think they're just – they're picking up, you know, um, you know, we produce a ladies night out show, which is all women, you know, and we've been doing that for the last four or five years or so. And, uh, you know, that content was being seen by tens and tens of millions of people. And, uh, we were doing a lot of that same stuff, you know, 30 of the girls that were on that have been on AEW since then. That's not saying they're taking from us. They're, they're using, um, a lot of what independent companies have already made successful, and they're putting it on their platform, putting it on their dark and shooting matches and, you know, creating new uh, concepts with them and reimagining them, giving them a bigger spotlight and giving them bigger paydays, quite frankly, you know, after they do that. So, 
yeah, they, they've done a great job. AEW has as uh, gain traction and, you know, gain their subscriber and view count up. So with um, promotions or productions where the names wouldn't be known, let's say internationally. So friends of the show and um, not singling them out for something that they can improve on, but something uh, as I think they're, they're doing great, but something where maybe there's the potential to grow more. So let's say like a middle kingdom wrestling or even our friends at WrestleMap who are helping produce some content that hasn't really been seen from the Republic of Congo, if I'm getting the country correctly. So mm -hmm. like those talents aren't yet known. So no one would be searching for them unless, you know, locally potentially. So like, mm -hmm. how do you break out in that way? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if there's any real one way to break out and the answer might seem simple, but I mean, good content is good content and people are going to watch it. I mean, it's, I guess it's subjective, you know, who it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? Who thinks it's good and who's watching, who's engaging when, but um, yeah, I mean, as the, the main goal is good content. I'd say the second is just consistency. You have to upload constantly. You have to almost obsess over it. You can't just put up one video a week. You can't, I, I even say nowadays, even one video a day, you might not be able to break through. I mean, YouTube's being seen and having all these, you know, millions of new uploads a day, not to mention, um, you know, you mentioned uh, that location there. You know, I was going to say the U.S., a lot of people target the U.S. and it's mainly, that list is mainly made up of U.S. companies. But if you look at it, I mean, India has more YouTube users, I believe now. And they have a huge footprint. So if you're not in an audience like that or have any value in a place like that, it's going to be really hard for you to get a footprint in the worldwide market. If you're only going to certain places, you need to really break out, have good original content. And you also need to have something, like you said, if you can't search for it directly, it needs to be something that's relative enough to other videos that may be booming at the same time where you can kind of get some of that um you know, it can kind of trickle down a little bit on your video and get some plays and some, you know, um, some shout outs there, like on the main page and stuff like that. Maybe like um, if there is a, a certain move or um, the way the fans reacted or something like uh, uh, not, not to be so much of like, you won't believe what happens next, but sometimes mm -hmm. that works too. Totally. Yeah. And, and um, like you said, I, I guess there, um, you know, when I was in, when I was doing uh, TV news, like I was at a, I was at ABC in uh, Houston, you know, for a few years before I left there and just did this full time. But when I was there, the, the biggest thing that we talked about with promos, as far as, um, you know, the content that we released on YouTube and the stuff we'd even put on TV, it's, it's a term we called anticipation. You know, you anticipate something, you think it's going to be good. Like you said, you see a thumbnail, you, you won't believe the move that happens. And then you click on it and you say, well, I, I do believe that move. I'm disappointed. You know, I anticipated something great and you let me down. You, you can't do that, you know, anymore. It's, it's not the days of, uh, you know, click this, watch this, you know, you won't believe what happens next. It doesn't work anymore. You know, uh, the algorithms are too smart. People are too smart. And if it's not good, it's not good. You know, it's, it's gotta be something good. It's gotta be something original and you just gotta stand out from the pack. You know, there's way too much competition right now for you not to come original. Yeah, I will admit that even though I knew better, <laughs> it came up on my feed like uh, Wrestling Fan Riot, and it was Tracy Smothers walking around the building um, that IWA Mid-South would run, and nothing was yeah. really happening. And I was like, okay, you guys got me. Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm subscribing, but if I was, I was probably unsubscribed. <laughs> so better to have quality content. 100%. Um, so... Uh, in terms of this list that we've been referring to, and of course you'll mention your Twitter at the end as well, but title match WN, um, it's pinned at the top. So I'm not going to belabor, or I'll try and resist belaboring all 100 on the list, but just sort of pick and choose. So one of the um, important things that you emphasize, and I, it's actually sort of in line with, with what um, John and I were talking about last week, or I think last week, was that WWE's piece of the pie is so large. I think in the mm -hmm. list you said that if you were to combine all other 99 promotions, um, uh, some of which are million or near million, all combined, that they don't equal or they're less than that of WWE's? Yes, ab absolutely. Even with um, the most promising figures and even with the, you know, you combine the number two, number three spots and, um, you know, then that goes for the foreseeable future too. I mean, I really don't see anybody 
it's all—it's it's almost impossible now for anybody to catch up with WWE with the the stranglehold on the market that they have. I mean, they've got the biggest piece of the pie, like you said. So Rith Impact is sort of holding on to number two, although it looks very close with the Great Khali's promotion, which I'm actually very surprised in, although I know that they draw very well live. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, Impact sort of like, is this sort of like nearly not like WWE's hold, but like sort of institutionalized, like the way I would think about it would be like, you had so many names that like somebody searching Hulk Hogan or Sting or whomever, mm-hmm. like they've had everyone nearly pass through there. So like the YouTube views would be there, but this will may continue to dwindle as their newest content isn't necessarily the most appealing. Exactly. You know, and, and and they got a good head start too. I believe their promotion and their channel, not the promotion, but the channel itself, I believe was launched, I think around 2006 or so. So they've had, you know, a good 16, you know, 16 years on the platform. Whereas someone like an AEW, you know, they just started a couple of years ago doing this. So it's easier for impact not to uh, downplay it because as far as the promotions go, I mean, I would say they're number two overall, as far as the most viewed on a daily basis, you know, even with them, even if you look at the numbers that they gained last year, they, AEW gained more than impact, but impact gained, you know, another 500 million views. So even with the growth that AEW has, it's going to be really hard for them just to catch up with impact at this rate for what they've done. And I want to, you know, Impact is one of the smarter ones. They don't get a lot of credit as far as the women's revolution, as far as, um, you know, a lot of the, the knockouts division that they had. If you look back at some of their most viewed stuff, evening gown uh, or wedding video uh, segments or women's matches or, you know, crazy moments from their past. And also all the names that you mentioned, the Stings, the Hogans, everyone in the world that's a big name now was in Impact at one point, And they have all that content. So just with their mass library, it's going to be really hard. They've done a fantastic job. And uh, I think one of the underrated promotions, you know, everyone talks about other ones and they get a lot of the hype, but Impact's been doing it and uh, consistently for a long time now. Yeah, and some of those years certainly under Jeff Jarrett, a friend of the show on episode 59, in case you're listening, although uh, he's probably busy at the moment, a lot of things going on, but shout out to Jeff. Um, So the great, CWE Kali is that does he own the promotion or is he sort of just uh, if you're aware or is he just sort of like the figurehead um what do you know about this promotion I believe he owns the promotion you know we did a lot of work with Booker T and um at the World Gym Arena for Reality of Wrestling down here you know we were shooting with him for years and uh the great Kali was someone that we were lucky enough to even be able to talk to a little bit that Booker would bring in that he's been friends with and I know he had a trainer or two that went over to India that helped train a lot of Kali's guys before the company even started. So as far as I know, it's, it's the great Kali's company. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, India, you know, we owe a lot to India and, um, you know, the growth that they've had for YouTube, that's, that's a huge reason why, you know, he's the, he's got the number three, as far as views go overall, it's crazy to see. You think, how are they possibly, how do they possibly have more views than AEW overall? They do. They have a bigger market out there, and they have a more loyal market right now. Um, not to say that AEW can't catch up or other ones can't catch up, but Greg Kali, I mean, someone we can't overlook. Huge, you know, huge footprint in the business right now. Uh, yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned Reality of Wrestling because I did notice that, I think, you know, when I was looking at recent stats, it looked like it was a little bit slowing down, but uh, maybe the first year of the pandemic, like their YouTube uh, seem to explode in terms of subscribers and views. Yeah. yeah, you know, and as far as growth went, they were one of the um, one of the best stories that came out of the pandemic. If you look at the top 20, I tried to show, you know, who had the most gains overall. And Reality of Wrestling is definitely in the conversation. They were not at number 15 overall, and now they are. You know, they've done, um, they've done a great job of implementing different content, not just wrestling. You know, Booker T's podcast is on there. So they, they're getting help from a lot of different avenues and it's working, you know, like, like I said before, just consistent, good content. You, you can't deny it. Uh, eventually uh, the cream rises to the top, I guess they say. So another question is about, you know, some promotions that may have closed, but then there's sort of promotions that are, mm, I guess you could sort of say like much diminished for where they once were. So I'm specifically thinking about 
CCW. I think that we've been talking about a lot. GCW, that moment where like Brett Lauderdale <laughs> entered the cage, like it sort of like seemed like like in terms of the um, the bud, it like sucked everything from CCW and definitely like transplanted it to GCW. And I could be wrong. Like I'm, I, I've never watched CCW, so like from an outsider, like that was my perception of the business. But like, if you've established yourself, it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to have bring in a buzz from the outside. You could sort of like not only survive but thrive just in the ecosystem of like a YouTube. Oh, yeah, 100%. And you said GCW. I mean, is there anyone hotter independently than GCW right now? You know, I mean, uh, with their deal at the Hammerstein Ballroom and, I mean, just with the, the hype that they've had behind them anyway. And they live up to it, you know. There's no taking away what they've done and what they've been able to accomplish. Uh, CZW, you know, that's another group. You mentioned Ring of Honor earlier. That's one of the groups that was up in that that area, too, that really, you know, started the 2000s and uh, late 90s. You know, they were one of the first companies and uh, longest reigning companies that have been doing that style and, and making it popular. And um, I can't really speak to where they are in the last few years. I know CZW does have their own streaming service. I don't think they do live streams, but it does have their entire backlog and their library. A lot of great names came through there. So that, that footage definitely has some, um, you know, uh, you can get some traction out of that, you know, but uh, yeah, GCW is hot right now. Um, both those companies, though, you know, from from what I've been able to tell over the years, uh, great guys, and they do good business. So just a, a few random questions here. Number 97, Elite Wrestling Entertainment. Um, I'm going to imagine this might be people, like, uh, mixing them up, or do you think that they're building their own momentum? Yeah. Uh, you said, okay, number 97. You said that was Elite uh, Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, yeah. So like maybe you're searching and you're like, okay, I think this is uh, that company I heard of, and like you hit subscribe or something like that. Mm -hmm. okay. You're like, wait a second, what's this? Um, yeah, and a lot of similar names on this list too that could be kind of confusing. Uh, you know, different monikers or different. Um, I don't know how you'd say it. Just different. Uh, you know, names that 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 can be kind of confusing. Yeah. So the last question for me before I turn over to John, what's the impact, uh, no pun intended, of putting content on YouTube for a limited time, then removing it? Like, how does that impact you overall? Let's say NWA has certain windows with content mm -hmm. and MLW, you know, depending on what deal they have, it's here, it's gone, everything is back, everything is gone. So like... What do you think that does to momentum? I'm, I'm, I don't imagine it's good, but like, do you think that it has an effect on the algorithms as well? For sure. I mean, you know, there's definitely nothing positive about losing, you know, uh, videos on your platform. I know uh, we, we've had issues where we've had to remove videos or, you know, um, certain situations have happened where we don't have that content on the platform anymore. And it hurts. Yeah. I mean, you lose the views, first of all, to your overall count. So that's never good. The money, I believe, you do keep the monetization. You know, you do keep the money from what it made before you deleted the video. But it hurts. You know, you're starting all over again. The NWA tried it. They had their whole library up. Then they took it down. They went to Fight TV, tried the subscription model, came back to YouTube. You're starting all over again. I mean, it's hard enough to make an impact the first time. And, you know, especially when you keep kind of starting from scratch again. It doesn't help. I would definitely uh, prevent it if possible. But, you know, that's a strategy that some companies are doing. They put something up for a limited amount of time. Hey, watch this for a week, say. And then after that, you got to go pay for it or something. Everyone's trying uh, different gimmicks like that. I'm, I'm personally not a fan of them, but, uh, you know, to each their own. No, I, I could talk about this all day, like an old school um, shoot interview, the double VHS tape. But let me control myself and uh, turn it over to John. So for title match wrestling and this big subscription offer for the month, explain that. What is that? Sixty nine ninety nine for the for the whole year. Yeah, so we're offering that deal. It's thirty bucks off original. I mean sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I mean it's just um, you know, seven bucks, what, six, seven bucks a month or whatever. Uh might be might even be less than that. My math is off this morning, but uh it's cheap. It's really cheap, especially for the whole year. You get unlimited live streams, whereas um you know, I'm not going to say names, but uh, different competitors, uh, different streaming platforms where you go on, you might have a subscription to that platform, but then you have to pay individually for every pay-per-view. And that just doesn't seem right to me. It's nine, you know, $69.99 for that specific deal. 
you know, you get the entire year, every single live stream that we do. And we do, you know, easily over 100 for the year. We've already got, you know, 75 lined up this year alone. You get our 24-7 access to all the unlimited live streaming that we've got there. You get um, the thousands of video on demands that we have in titles in our library. So you get the whole shebang. There's nothing, uh, no gimmicks. You can cancel any time. With that, do you think people are more interested in the new stuff, like the live streams, or are they more interested in the classic content? Yeah, and that's and that's a great question. That's something that I've been kind of falling into, too. I'm a huge fan of the classic stuff. I think you guys are, um, as far as I can tell, probably grew up old school style, too. And, um, you know, maybe still appreciate the new stuff and like it as well. But, uh, you know, you might say uh, say you're on WWE Network and you're, you're sitting around. You might want to watch a wrestling classic or, uh, you know, a TNT show or something. You know, we people like us might like that. But as far as the numbers and the overall traction, I mean, it's almost you just you can't even compare it to the live streams and the live shows, even to shows that are inferior to the products that were put on before in the past. There's almost no comparison. The live and the new stuff just beats all. To me, when I'm watching the network and stuff, I'll go back and I'll watch late 80s. Obviously, you know, it's maybe some early 90s, but especially around this time, around Royal Rumble time, I'm always kind of tuned into 89, 90, mm-hmm. 91, 92, like those rumbles. So to me, I love the classic content. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, I, I still remember as a kid, the two, you know, Axe and Smash coming out one and two in 89. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, Big John Studd winning, uh, you know, or watching those tapes to exhaustion, getting the bootlegs of 88, you know, that, that aired on USA Network and watching those over and over and over. That was something that I don't know if it's a generational thing, too, where, we, where guys like us and people like us can go back and watch that stuff and rewatch it over and over. I don't know if the new stuff has the same uh, effect, but I definitely know for the old school stuff, I'm right there with you, man. I, I do the same thing. So for you, give us just, I don't know, maybe not the, the most popular, but something on title match where people would definitely kind of be interested. Give me like a couple of things where people would maybe not be surprised, but be like, wow, that's on there. Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of content. You know, we, we really primarily focus a lot on the women's wrestling. And I want to give a shout out to Thunder Rosa, Mission Pro Wrestling. You know, one of the biggest um, biggest success stories of the last year and a half. I mean, there aren't too many other promotions independently that have been making the buzz like that. So, you know, we have them exclusively on the network and they've been huge. Just a lot of companies like that, you know, everywhere from that to um, our friends in the Northeast with Battle Club Pro, uh, places like that. You know, we also have... Um, we have the entire pro wrestling syndicate library from New York and New Jersey back in the day, which I would say is a precursor to a lot of the stuff we see now on TV, a lot of ideas that were kind of used. And, uh, you know, you mentioned GCW, you look back on those old videos and you see Brett Lauderdale um, refereeing a lot of those matches. You know what I mean? And even though I don't know him personally, I could respect his hustle and, you know, what he's done and where he's been so you'll see a lot of stuff like that you'll also see a lot of people that you see on tv now that you didn't realize started out independently that you didn't realize were at these promotions doing this and that or you didn't realize these people work together we have a lot of exclusives that you just won't find and matchups that you don't see anywhere else that have never been released anywhere else all right give us one last big push where everybody can get it see it and purchase title match titlematchnetwork.com we're available on any smartphone laptop pc Check us out, titlematchnetwork.com. We've got almost unlimited live streams. We do them, you know, multiple ones every weekend, and we have new stuff going up daily. You know, so titlematchnetwork.com. And if you use the coupon code SAVE20 now, that's S-A-V-E-2-0 N-O-W, you get 20% off any subscription package. And uh, you know, we're ready to go, man. Anybody that comes on, we uh we believe in our product. We know it's one of the best on the market. So if you like it, if you're not happy, cancel or uh, hit us up and we'll get you a refund too. You know, we're, we're pretty easy to work with, but titlematchnetwork.com. That's where all the goods are. Awesome stuff. Telly, thank you so much for all the time. Really appreciate it. Gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure and uh, hope to do this again soon. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much. All the best. Likewise. Thank you guys. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Telly. So, Lavi, the big news of the week coming up what about gcw which we talked about last week what about mike weber giving out maybe possibly some numbers yes so we know uh from having mike on the show it's we tried it's hard to get him to pin him right. down in terms yeah. of the numbers he made it very clear he uh 
uh, wasn't the one releasing numbers to the, the newsletters back in the day, but was impressed sometimes when they would get them in terms of traditional pay-per-view, but of course now being an executive overseeing fight. So uh, what post-wrestling, our friends at post-wrestling were able to garner, John Pollock, that the GCW show did very well. It's the best show for them, not for fight. So when I first read it, I was like, oh my gosh, they beat all in. And I was going to tweet about it. And I was like, no, for GCW, which we would expect. So we're happy to see that. And he made it clear, like, just like putting in perspective, we did 700,000 buys for Tyson Jones. So obviously it's less than 700,000, but in that relative sense, um, you know, it was uh, a good number and the best for GCW. So hopefully some more will come out. That's always kind of like funny with nowadays. It's like, wow, can we figure out what they did on Fight TV? No, as we learned, not so easy to figure out those numbers. And I know we were kind of joking around all for four, like, did they do the best ever on, on Fight? Wow, wow. And Mike Weber said, no, just GCW's best show ever. Best show ever on Fight is kind of up i guess up for a debate but i know aew did well and obviously that mike tyson jones fight did 700k so gcw did well but you know i mean they're not touching those numbers yeah our um our best bet for knowing these numbers and you know not not to be so nosy and like you know that is so on but like we know that there's the ongoing iwtv gcw um litigation so if we think back to evolve when they had their um their deal with flow um you know the the spreadsheets that were shared came out as public information so i'm not sure when the iwtv um contract with uh, gcw had been planned to run if it would have reached this period but if it does and IWTV is claiming that they're still the exclusive ones to stream GCW in this format, then we might uh, know this number one day. So what about BTW, big time wrestling? Did they do 2000 in attendance or did they not really do that number? What's the thought process here? Yeah, Dax of FTR um, had tweeted out, you know, 2000 plus. I think, you know, I'm glad he was, uh, in, uh, you know, so excited to have his dream match with um, Rock and Roll Express. But, you know, um, we know that the reserved on the floor was sold out, which is 400 and something. And the stands didn't look like that they were that extensive. And it looked like there was some curtaining. Um, so at the moment, I'm going to go with the cage match number, which is 1,200. So obviously, whatever was released, the place was packed. And they did very well. And it sort of sent me down a cage match rabbit hole bit. Not that big time wrestling has run so many shows, but I was actually surprised to find that even uh, in uh, Rhode Island um, at the, in Pawtucket at the baseball stadium there, where I've been a few times because I have family there, um, that they've done like over a thousand, maybe 2000 over there. I know that they've done the Mid Hudson Civic Center. So I was familiar with big time wrestling, but um, but I have to have my eye on them more because it, it kind of feels a little bit like uh, NEW to me. I think this is the first time they're running in some time, but it looks like when they've run, they've spent the money on the talent, but they've been able to draw at times as well. So what about Ring of Honor? I know they're coming out now with a Hall of Fame. Is this correct? And where could we see this or experience this Hall of Fame? Yeah, so what we know at the moment in terms of the press release is that they'll have um, – four talents uh, join their Hall of Fame. I think they'll announce it, I'm not sure if all at once or weekly, but then there'll be weekly programming sort of that fills in the month of January that focuses on those talents, which uh, not a bad idea because we know that they're at the moment doing rerun programming until perhaps they have that content from the uh, WrestleMania weekend show. So here, instead of it just being older content, you're making it thematic. So whomever it is that they name, let's say like, and you'd have to clean it up a little bit probably for like CM Punk, Samoa Joe, or you could do it, you know, with some of the uh, uh, more recent um, uh, wrestlers that, that did really well that are, um, you know, in WWE, like a Seth Rollins, for example. Um, so we don't know, but I think Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. So there's certainly a lot, lot for them to pick from. 
So is this just going to be on like TV? Are they actually going to do anything with it? Like, what's up with right. this Hall of Fame? Because it seems like okay, they're they're going by the wayside. Ring of Honor's gone, and oh, all of a sudden, now they have a Hall of a Hall of Fame. Now they're running the Supercard of Honor for sure because their tickets are on sale. So to me, it's like, wow, are they going anywhere? Because it seems like this Hall of Fame thing is opening up some doors. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Like, I, I can't imagine being like in like the industrial park in Maryland, be like next to Joe Coff's office. You're like, come through. We have a little right, room. right. There's yeah. a few yeah. pictures on the wall, sort of like which, which I definitely want to visit, like uh, in a different way. Like in Tampa, like there's the Jewish Community Center, which used to be like the um, the Tampa Sportatorium or one of those venues. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. have like a wall dedicated to the wrestlers, which would be awesome. But like, that's not a hall of fame. So I, I don't know if they'd have a physical one, but maybe like, uh, you know, during Super Card of Honor weekend, like maybe like the WWE has, you have like in the hallways or like a dedicated space for people to walk through and learn from it. So a few things that you can do with it, but I don't imagine a physical space anytime soon. Well, what about like inductions and getting people like in the Hall of Fame, like where they have like the Indy Hall of Fame that just happened? You know, they have Chris Hero inducting and Tracy Smothers, Punk inducted and Prazak and, you know, goes on and on and on. So are they actually going to do like a Hall of Fame speech and ceremony or this is just like, hey, you're in the Hall of Fame. We're going to have a TV show dedicated to you and we're going to have a block of programming dedicated to you. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think like now more than ever, you could probably do something at least like to get a little video message like they got. And especially Samoa Joe is now not affiliated with WWE. So maybe you could get him too. So like to have something like that, but I don't know if like they'd have like a, like a evening banquet type meeting, like at the, at the nitty room, like GCW did. To me, it's like, you got to do something. You can't just say these guys are in the whole fame and do nothing unless just seems like a branding thing so you could brand your TV better. But um, I don't know. You got to give these guys some sort of honor. Bring them back, right? Yeah, no, it would be it would be nice. I don't know like how much nostalgia you can sort of like get out of it because people were willing to participate when they were saying goodbye. But I don't know how many of like these talents like want to be involved with like Sinclair. Maybe, you know, maybe it's not something that they're thinking about at all. But like big corporation, a lot of them sort of, maybe got tired of working for big corporations and so on. So I don't know how many of them you'd be able to get back, but maybe, maybe a message, but it's worth reaching out. What about triple a they're planning to run Dallas, Japan, and maybe even Columbia. Yeah. That one hit me like what? Okay. Um, they always have big plans. We always hear about them in the U S although I was kind of kicking myself because when they ran um, the theater at the garden or whatever it's called uh, right now, um, I still think about it as the Paramount, but like I had bought a ticket when they were going to be in like the garden proper. And then when they moved, I was like, nah, but then I heard it was an awesome show. So I was like, Oh, that was stupid. Um, so they did return to New York. So, but they always have big plans that they have for 30 years. I mean, you know, Columbia makes sense. They're on, um, I forgot that network. I think that carries through a lot of Latin America that also AEW runs on that may be owned by a Warner um, product, like uh, part of the Warner family. Um, so there, that that makes sense. Japan, I'd imagine you'd have to have like a, a sponsoring promotion or some sort of promoter to, to carry you through rather than doing it on your own. And Dallas, like, you know, it's not so far um, geographically. So that would make sense. A lot of promotions are, uh, are running Dallas the, these days. So do you think that they're big enough right now to, to do that, like expand like that? Because it seems like, I don't know, it's kind of adventurous of them. I'd say like as like um, as a one-off novelty at the least, like, you know, I don't think they've ever been to Japan. We know CMLL comes all the time for that one week uh, series, at least with New Japan. So like as a one-off thing, like, hardcore fans like they've heard of triple a um they're familiar with lucha libre a lot of the talent they might not have seen before i could see that doing well with columbia you know you can work with a local promoter it's you know probably not too big a risk and dallas if you uh want to run like mlw like a gillies or, or something like that like i think it's worth you know taking the risk to to expand in that way so with 
AAA, they're also going to have a gaming system or a game coming out? Yeah, so Garena Free Fire, which I've been learning about. I wasn't familiar with that. It's a it's the ultimate survival shooter game. So what I'd imagine is that maybe there's some, um, you know, other properties that pass through there, like maybe um, uh, other gaming characters or celebrities or um, other type of IP. So what I'm guessing at the moment is that, like, you know, you have these AAA, they look like superheroes, right? Like you could even use, like, um, old wrestlers that you have the 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 content, like you have their the rights to their outfits and so on. Like maybe you could put them in the game and uh, um, sort of, A, it's like it's good for you in terms of promoting your product, but also like just to become known um, people sometimes feel discover wrestling through video games. So if this is a popular game that a lot of people subscribe to, uh, you know, it's a nice like new way to get out there. And AAA, they seem to be busy it's going all over the place, creating games, stepping up their game. Yeah, no, uh, you know, in, um, in Mexico, like we're often thinking about like, although not in this show, but like oftentimes when you see news, like, it's from like uh, American or North, uh, well, it's probably North America, but like a US, Canada type of perspective. But, you know, they're big players in Mexico, right? Like Disney wants to work with them. They they have, There's a Disney Marvel match, uh, you know, at the big event. So, you know, there's definitely something going on. I, I should reach out. I was waiting till like sort of an announcement that the lawsuit is settled so we have a better chance, but I do have a contact at AAA um, that uh, I do want to reach out to you to see if we can uh, get somebody on the show sometime. Nice. Sounds good. What is the latest in the post-pandemic non-WB, non-AEW live events? Yeah. So just briefly, last time um, we were able to cover um, January, as, of course, as this show's coming out, it's uh, early February. So just a look at what's going on. So with GCW in Houston, um if Premier Sports Arena rows one to, and two are sold out as of this recording, uh, it's on February 4th. Um, rows three, four, and GA are available. In Dallas, actually, quietly, it looks like they changed the venue to the athletic zone, um, which, you know, both of them are modest venues, I think, but maybe it's a little bit larger because, I mean, this is very much in the weeds, but I noticed that rows one to four had been sold out and then row five was almost gone with three seats. And then the next day I looked and there was eight seats remaining. So if anyone uh, is that interested, but maybe it means that there's a little bit more room to make rows longer at the Hammerstein, the, the second row, like, like I talked about was pretty low, was pretty long. And the ninth and the 10th in the showboat, the ninth, the first row sold out and the 10th, the first, um, uh, the first row is sold out as well. Um, uh, so what I'm noticing maybe, and also when you look at LA too, like, um, the first night in LA, the first row sold out on 25th and on the 26th, uh, it's the fourth row in GA and beyond. So like, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of softening with GCW tickets because they're hitting the same markets and they're also having a lot of double shots. Uh, especially in LA, which was smart to try because they were selling LA multiple times. But like um, in uh, in Atlantic City, um, and you probably know this better than me. I'm not sure if the market can sustain, you know, that much. Like where you're coming there, let's say like four times a year, and you're doing double shots every time you come. Like if there's that much interest. Yeah, interesting. I feel like some of these towns are running these places into the grounds too much not like uh, ecw run in philly back in the day you know what i mean this is almost getting too much with some of these uh te territories if you will running the same area over and over again yeah it could really burn things out and just uh a final note and we'll dive deeper into um the events next time is that uh of course wrestlecon has announced a number of shows uh, we know the dates now triple a on march 31st new japan on uh, April 1st, Impact to Follow, the same evening in the same venue, I believe, on April 1st. And uh, WrestleCon is running its own super shows, probably with, like, uh, independent stars. Um, and uh, Ring of Honor, as we know, is uh, about uh, 40 minutes away in uh, Garland, Texas, uh, belt versus belt. 
Ah, big show there. Nice. Got some big time stuff coming up, but let's head towards the plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com. Of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Lobby, what do you got? Yes. So SE Scoops, the official business podcast of the business uh, of the business. Um, we have my Twitter, LaviMarg, L-A-V-I-E-M-A-R-G. And check out uh, my website, lioncubjobsearch.com. Of course, head over to Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use that como, promo code BIZ, B-I-Z, 20% off and free shipping. That's promo code BIZ at manscaped.com. I'd like to thank Telly. I'd like to thank Title Match Wrestling, SC Scoops, Creative Control Network, and, of course, Lobby. We'll see you right back here next week for a little business of the business. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.